And it's a privilege to open God's Word. Our theme, our topic as a rise and shine, coming from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah is one of the major prophets. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah almost touches on everything that any prophet in the Bible has preached about. It touches everything. Isaiah deals with the gloom and the darkness of Israel, but also the glorious coming of the kingdom and the promises of the kingdom of God and the glory of the kingdom of God. Isaiah is a book that explains the gospel and the Messiah very vividly, but he came at a time when Israel was going through dark, a dark period, politically, spiritually, terms of the temple worship, everything had become very ritualistic, lip service. Morality has broken down. They are gone into exile. They're coming back. Samaria has, has fallen to Assyria, Judah to Babylon, and these people have been taken into exile. The priests and the temple worship had all become just ritual, lip service without moral commitment, without godly obedience to God, Israel failed to be a witness of the light that God called them to be for themselves and also for the nations around. This is when Isaiah came in. As a nation, as a people, if you have followed the history of our country and you have watched how things go on, there is a lot of darkness in our country. Sin has multiplied. We have become lovers of pleasure and inventors of evil. In the midst of this, God's glorious gospel is shining. Souls are being saved. Churches are being planted. There's no doubt that God's glory is upon our nation. But we have, as individual believers and as a church, need to arise and shine and reflect the light Wherever we are, we have the gathered church that is also the scattered church in your office, in your workplace, in your school, in your home. We are still the church. And we are called to rise and shine. Push the shadows and the darkness back and allow God's glory to be at work. Amen. So it's important for us to understand what Isaiah means. When he says, see, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears above. What is the darkness that Isaiah is talking about? Especially as men who are called to take action. Darkness can come about because nature has failed. The weather has failed. The sun will not shine. Things happen. And life is not as it should be because nature might not be friendly with us. In Psalm 104 verse 20, the psalmist talks about God who brings the darkness and it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prone. But this kind of physical, natural darkness could be a divine judicial 
punishment upon the people who are living in sin and God just allowed things to happen to us. And the nation of Egypt during the Exodus and the templates, the Bible talks about darkness that is felt in the land for three days because God was executing divine punishment of a wicked people who have held these people in slavery and in bondage. In the book of Revelations, when the days and the years come to an end, and the beast will be judged, the Bible talks about darkness that will engulf the nations. But darkness can also be the natural state of man before conversion, before you come to Christ. Before people get to know Christ and the light of God, they are described naturally as being in darkness. Ephesians 5, 8 talks about you were once in darkness. So living without God is a life of darkness. It appears normal, marrying, giving birth, going to school, but it's the lifestyle of sin, of darkness, of wickedness, of evil, of moral breakdown, and families breaking down. This is within the context in which men are asked to rise and to shine. To extend the touch of God to people all around us. Jesus spoke of, natural, of man's natural darkness when he said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Apostle Paul talks about his mission that he's been called to open their eyes and to turn men from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among all those who are sanctified. So natural man without Christ is living in darkness. And you have to see that. You have to know that your brother, your colleague in the office sitting without you as you watch his lifestyle and the pattern of his life and it's not pleasing to God is living in darkness. And you have a responsibility to share Christ with that person. Extend the touch of the gospel to that person. Rise above the normal everyday life and take time and share Christ with that person. Peter talks about the fact that we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So darkness can also represent the natural state of man without Christ. And there are many men Family members, church workers around us, living in darkness. God calls us to be the light to them with the witness of Christ. Darkness can also be the result of persistent, deep-rooted, established sinning, systematic sinning, when a whole organization or even a whole nation is living on ethical lifestyle, lying, cheating, stealing, organize wickedness in high places. And that's a lifestyle and a systemic darkness that is going on. Jeremiah was a prophet who never had a single convict. He preached for years faithfully. The nation was Israel, of Israel was in complete and absolute darkness. And Jeremiah describes and calls them one time in 13, Jeremiah 13, 16, he says, Pleading with them, give glory to God your God, the Lord your God, before he brings 
darkness. Before your feet stumble, let me bring the darkness. Before your feet stumble on the darkening hills, you hope for light, but he will turn it into utter darkness and change it into deeper gloom. So when nations and organizations and systems and even families decide that their lifestyle is going to be unethical, immoral, there are families who deal in drugs in this country, introducing their children into the business of illicit drugs and all that. Some of them, we know them. As men, God calls us to take the gauntlet, to take the torch of the gospel, pray for them, invade that darkness, push it back, redeem souls for the kingdom of God. Arise and let your light shine because God's glory is actually upon the nations, upon us. Hallelujah. But darkness can also be the result of rejected light of continuous sinning. There's a man I followed up, and it was only five years ago. It's only five years ago that he willingly, graciously took from my hand a daily bread. That's the first positive response to the gospel. But I've followed him up for 32 years. And when we meet sometime from 9, especially on Mondays from 9 to about 12 o'clock, most of the time he would just be insulting me and talking and complaining. I can only get five minutes of sensitive, sensible discussion with him. Persistently resisting the lights until five years ago. You may have that situation like that. It could be a husband, could be a wife, could be a brother, could be a boss in the office that consistently rejects the light. That person is in darkness. Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while. John 15, 35 to 36. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. God calls us as men to be children of light. Never to dim our light. Never to lose heart. Keep the touch of the gospel burning. It may be even one individual, but arise and shine. But darkness can also be satanic oppression. When the people do not know what they are doing, they are not conscious of what they are doing. Their willpower is overtaken. And Satan is at work. Sometimes it can be an individual, it can be an organization, it can be a whole nation. When Jesus was going to the cross and just about to be crucified and to bring our redemption, Luke 22 verse 53, Jesus said, every day, he told the religious leaders, he said, every day I was with you and you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns, when when the power of darkness is ruling. In other words, the whole religious system has been taken over by Satan. They don't know what they're doing. So there can be situations like that. And as men, we should not do business as usual. We should fast. We should pray. We should call a solemn assembly. 
We should challenge the status quo. We should push the darkness back. We should push the shadows back. We should proclaim the gospel. It can be in many ways. It can be in different ways. It can be breakfast. It can be dinner. It can be one-on-one. It can be after work. It can be a visit. But we must find a way as men of the light, as children of the light, and challenge the system that is satanic and oppressive or individuals that are giving their souls to that. And rise and shine as men of the light. But also, when there is death, when there is death in every family, and there's grieving, there's pain, there's hopelessness sometimes, and that's symbolic of darkness. Job talks about the fact that he said, are not, are not my days almost over? Turn away from me so I can have a moment's joy before I go to the place of no return. A sense of hopelessness. He could not see beyond the curtain what was happening to him. He was going through this trial and difficulty. He longed for death to take him. It's at the land of gloom and utter darkness, so the land of deepest night and utter darkness and disorder, where even the light is darkness. That's what death can, can bring. Last year, I visited a couple, 80 and 85 years, very sweet, energetic couple. The woman passed on. And a month later, I went to visit the man, and his world has sunk down. There's gloom. There's no hope. The vim is gone. The strength is gone. We are called to minister to such people at that age, at that level, when we're wishing for death and hope is gone. Not just as pastors, not just as deacons, but ordinary men in the church must reach their kind and minister hope and assurance and light and offer friendship to people who have been experiencing death of a kind like that. And that's why the Lord calls us to arise and shine. But also, darkness can be eternal damnation or destruction. When men are going to hell, we know that without Christ, when they die, they go to hell. Hell is described as a place of darkness. The Apostle Peter speaks about the angels who God did not spare when they sin, but send them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness. So when men die without Christ, they are going to darkness. And we have to rescue them. We have to push that darkness away from them before they sleep into that darkness. But lastly, darkness can also be God's discipline for the believer. When we live in sin, when we live in disobedience, God, and our, pray, our prayers are not answered, and we don't have guidance for our lives, and things seem difficult, and the light is gone, and hope is gone, and things are failing around us. It may be the hand of God's discipline on us. It could be a moment of darkness and trial. It could be a trial, a testing of a kind. You may not have been in sin. You may not have lived in sin. But it could be a trying moment for you. And you're going through this dark time.
panel of challenge. Men must rise around you and offer you hope, offer you counsel, offer you a hand of fellowship and strength, encourage you. It could be your job where things are going bad and everything, nothing is working. It's not just church as usual. Sometimes you need a fellow brother and sister to arise beyond the routine and the ritual and stay with you through the course of those tunnels of darkness. Arise and shine and lift you up and show forth the goodness of the gospel in your life. So we have darkness over the earth and gloom. And the Bible talks about all these things. And these consequences that are choking the breath out of God's people and out of the people of the world. It is within this context that Isaiah prophesies. And he said, that's not all. God's light and his glory is also at work. And as believers, we are to rise and reflect that light and share the gospel with people where Satan, sin, scorn, and shame is at work. Where the unsaved are seeking God. They are asking questions. They are doubting. They are perplexed. We need to offer them the light of God. Whether they are ordinary people or kings or relations far and near, God calls us. We have the presence of God's light and his glory. This light is divine. That's a figure of speech. With the presence of God, contrasting the darkness and the shame and the gloom and the depression and the sin all around us. And also the light, the divine presence of God. God is at work. Even in unbelievers, God is at work. Nations without God, God is at work. Families without God, God is at work. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This light is divine. There's something beyond the five senses. Taste, smell, touch, feel. That is divine. And that can make people live a better life and have hope for tomorrow. This light gives us a glorious path. Jesus, he that follows me, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When you have Christ... You have a glorious path. When you walk in obedience to Christ, you have a glorious path. You escape the darkness. You escape the snares or the dangers of, of, of temptations and immorality that can choke the breath and the life and the hope out of families and institutions. Having Christ is having the glorious light and the path that is a blessing. This light of God gives us knowledge. When we receive Christ, the knowledge of God penetrates our souls and our spirits. And we know something that is unseen and sometimes unexplainable. It gives us confidence and optimism and assurance and courage and faith to conquer and to overcome. We need to extend that to our brothers and sisters. Whoever they are, whatever they are, we are going through some form of darkness 
or shadows. This light also brings us glorious fellowship. Men can literally love God, enjoy God, experience God, have contentment and satisfaction that is intrinsic and not extrinsic, not external from money and clothing and shoes and, 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 and buildings and, and material things. There can be intrinsic joy within your heart by communion with God, fellowship with God. And sometimes that cannot be paid by the commercial bank or by the multilateral companies, but from God, from God. It's a glorious fellowship. For with thee is the fountain of life. In the light we shall see more light. Psalm 36 verse 9. We can have fellowship with God. And we know it. We understand it. It's clear. It's understandable. It's explainable. It's convicting. Fellowship. We can also have fellowship with your brothers and sisters. You can build genuine friendship in the light of Christ, in the light of salvation and have been fellow believers. You can have friends that stay closer than a brother. You can have Christian brothers and sisters that are genuine and real. But there is no hypocrisy and double standard because you have a glorious fellowship in Christ. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Men are looking for friends. Men can be the most lonely species on the planet Earth. The more you grow, the less friends you have. And many men are lonely. We need to rise and share the lights. They may be Christian, they may be believers, but they may be lonely. We need to bring in the light of genuine friendship and community to people. Like it can be one on one, it can be three, it can be four, it can be five, it can be six. But I tell you, we need to arise as men and offer that. Sometimes in their marriage life, they are not able to talk about that. Sometimes in their professional life, they are not able to talk about that because they need just one person to talk to, not a group, not a pastor, not a deacon but a fellow believer in fellowship with him. But this light is also a session light. And God talks about our rise and shine. That glorious light of God's presence is also a session light. Jesus said, everyone that does evil hates the light. Now that comes to the light, lest the deed should be reproved. A session light this divine light operates like an x-ray, exposing life and revealing our character. Pointing out to us where we need to make amends with God or even with our brothers and sisters. And strengthen the cause and the bonds of fellowship. Someone describes a light simply as an agent that makes an object visible. People want to open their heart to one another. People want to share their hearts. They want a shoulder to cry on. Women do this better. But man to man, the need is very strong and very real. So God calls us in the context of this, the darkness 
and his glorious light to rise and to shine. Bible says the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter than the full light of day. Sometimes you wake up and it appears that the sun will not be there. It looks dull, but it's day. It's day. And as the hours roll by, the sun will actually come up and shine. That's the life of the believer. I tell my friends, you never laugh at a believer. Never ever laugh at a Christian. Never make fun of a Christian because his God will come through at the end of the tunnel. Hallelujah. And so God calls her to rise and to shine for our fellow brothers and sisters. Some of them will be in high places of authority, very lonely. And they need you to knock on their door, not to ask them for favors, but just to say, I just came to be with you. Brother, remember I'm praying for you. In closing, there's a little story in the Old Testament about the healing of Naaman. Leprous Naaman. In that story, in verse 1 we are told, Naaman was a leper. He was a commander of the armies of Syria. But he was a leper. In verse 10, he was commanded to go wash and be clean. And in verse 14, we are told that his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Now, in that healing of that great man, there were seven contacts that Naaman had with seven different people of different backgrounds. And this is my point. Wherever you are, wherever you work, you are a link to reflect that light. Listen. There was a little Jewish maid that was in exile. And he simply said, Oh, there is a prophet in Israel. If you get there, you'll be healed. Just that word was a link towards the healing of this great man. Then there was an unnamed individual who carried a message to the king of Syria. But then the king of Syria said, okay, go and look for the prophet. It was also part of it. Different people, different background, different status. But also when he came, the king of Israel, he said, why have you come to mock me? Then he called for Elisha. He was also a link in this glorious healing. But also Elisha himself was contacted. And he played his role and sent his messenger and gave him instruction. And Naaman rejected it. But also Naaman's servants were part of the link of the healing. He said, please, it's not a big deal. It's a simple thing. So my point is this. Wherever you are, in your office, in your home, in your school, in your workplace, don't be the missing link of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lady in our church who comes to give offerings sometimes. She, she limps on one leg and holds a, a, a crutch. And it always blesses me on how to give a holy offering. Just, that's the way she gives the offering. Touches my heart and inspires me 
to always give my offering respectfully to God. When she gives to the, gets to the offering bowl, she would carefully move the, the crotch to the other, to the left side, and then with the right hand, that is a cultural thing, with the right hand, drop the offering there. That really touches me. And I change the way I give my offering. I give my offering respectfully, thoughtfully, and in worship to God because of the way that lady gives the offering. So you never know what link you are to somebody. In touching somebody, in ministering to somebody, therefore, don't be a missing link in rising and shining. As a man in your church, in your home, in your workplace, don't lose heart if things are going bad because God calls you to rise up and to shine. Don't dim your lights. Don't dim your lights. Keep it burning by prayer, by devotion, by obedience, by fellowship with your people. As we do this, our main ministry will be vibrant. Our families will be vibrant. Our workplaces will have the challenge and the standard of men who are of substance and knows God, but also sharing the gospel in the midst of the darkness. Shall we pray?